Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today on 100 Yards, our special guest experiences are grounded in athletics, physical education, recreational sports, health-related fitness, and exercise physiology. His present teaching responsibility span the following courses, motor behavior, exercise physiology, adaptive physical education, kinesiology, methods of teaching elementary, and methods of strategies of teaching PE at middle and secondary levels, organization and administration of athletics and sport, as well as fundamentals of basketball. His research interests examine the impact socioeconomic status, geopolitical influences have on biological expression in academics, athletic, and health disparities. Put another way, he also examines the intersection of health disparity, educational disparities, and sports disparities of various ethnic groups. He's the recipient of the Dr. Frederick C. Hobdy Endowed Professor in Kinesiology at Grambling State University and is served in numerous administration and staff-related capacities at GSU that include academic support, enrollment management, and accreditation. He was appointed the director of the first-ever CDC-sponsored diabetes prevention program called Change Your Lifestyle and Change Your Life, which gave the local community (laughs) tools needed to prevent type 2 diabetes and other chronic conditions, including high blood pressure and high cholesterol. He has presented his research at local, state, national, and international conferences. And many of his presentations from his research investigations have been published in peer-reviewed journals. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to 100 Yards, the assistant professor at Grambling State University. Please welcome Dr. Larry Proctor. (laughs) Wow, you drum it up pretty good, brother. If you like the video today, please come in and share it here on 100 Yards of Football. I'm your host, Vincent Turner. And as you heard the great introduction, the doctor himself, Mr. Larry Proctor of Grandma State University. One more time, if you like the video, please come in and share it. And we surely appreciate it. A very special show today. Before I give it over to Mr. Proctor, I always say, don't nobody get upset today. If you know me, I said something in the water in Mississippi because he's from Cleveland, Mississippi. And the reason I say that, my parents are still living at 86 and 84 years old, Chester and Inez Turner. And all I have to say is James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, and Walter Payton, Jerry Rice. I don't have to say no more. So, Dr. Proctor, how you doing today, sir? Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. How about yourself? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, but we're going to go on and get into the interview today. Tell us where you're from, Dr. Proctor, your wife and your children, and what type of educational experience did you have in the challenges? Well, um, I'm from Cleveland, Mississippi, a um, place down in the Delta, as they call it, you know. Um, you mentioned some of those names, um, but I, I, I could add some more to that. You know, Fannie Lou Hamer, Emmett Till, Emmett Till, you know what I mean? I mean, Oprah, we could just, we could go on and on, you know, it, a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something that was uh, quoted in the Bible. What good could come out of Nazareth? You know, because people don't think 
much comes out of Mississippi, nothing but Klansmen's and 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 uh, hard times, you know. But those hard times produce some uh, some pretty good jewels, and uh, I'm I'm one of them. So yes, so from Cleveland, uh, grew up in Cleveland in, in the Mississippi Delta. Um, married to Kim Proctor, you know, and Kim. Um, I'll get into it through this interview, but uh, Kim's my wife for 30 years. We've been married 30 years. And uh, we have three kids together, but I have a child uh, before I married Kim, a daughter, um, and, uh, and I got three sons with Kim. And so LaShondria is my daughter. Um, the three boys are Rashid, Rashawn, and Khalid. And uh, all of them, all of my kids have been married and they have been married on purpose. Um, we're not trying to really be uh, totally like the rest of the people in society. We're trying to, to, to do a little more because you have to do more to rise above, you know, um, the, the trappings that are, that are in society for people coming from my disposition. So um, all of those boys, I encourage those boys to be married uh, and my daughter as well. So my daughter was married. She's divorced now and she's, she's looking, there's some love for her in this, in this society. And then, um, then there's the three boys, all of the boys are married. Everybody's educated, college educated, married and with kids. And so I, I, um, I give it up to the creator for instilling in me um, a discipline and a dedication to to want to focus on the family, because many of our problems start right there, Vincent, um, and that is with the family. And, and because um, we often don't do as well with the family, we often have problems in society because those kids leave that family and go out into society, into the school system, and into society, and um, and they demonstrate what they've been exposed to in the family, in the household. So um, we, me and Kim did a, a, a heck of a job raising those boys and, and, and my daughter and, and look forward to the grandkids. We even got, because of the, the boys got babies, we, we got grandkids now, you know, so we got four little, little grandkids, three boys and one, one granddaughter and man, we shower them and protect them as much as we can from the elements. But um, in saying that, we do what we can do, but um, we, there is a spiritual element to this um, that we have to uh, employ in our lives in order to uh, protect ourselves from things that are unseen, that we don't know about. My social media guy, Logan Landers, was looking over your information today. He asked me something before the show. So Mr. Landers would like to come up and he'd like to ask you two very important questions about your career. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank, thank you, Mr. Turner. So Dr. Proctor, first off, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. So two questions here. So give our listeners just a little bit of a better understanding uh, with your faith-based health promotion and disease programs, uh, how they're kind of being used to help adults live a healthier life. And part two, uh, and also, what are some factors with being with Beam LLC since uh, 2009, kind of how they're integrated with that? Okay. Well, I'll start with, with Beam. Okay. Uh, the acronym um, stands for balance, 
empowerment, accountability, and then multiculturalism. And uh, so I try to use that approach. I, that approach actually came from my discipline. So from the formal learning that I have, I learned that being well-rounded was better than being healthy. We used to say, you know, if you're healthy, you know, you're, you're, you're well, you know, but if you're healthy, but you don't have a job, you're not, you're not well off. You're not well. So, um, so we, we, we um, focus on the fact that wellness is our focus. Wellness transcends just being healthy and free from disease. Wellness involves uh, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, um, interpersonal health, um, social and emotional, environmental. So it involves a lot of different components. And so you have to be cognizant, focusing on all of these different things in order to make progress in society. So I promote that form of wellness through the wellness programs. And so we've been doing it 20 years um, at the church that I go to, which is in Ruston. Uh, New Living Word Ministries. We've had a wellness program there for 20 years, and and um, after uh, doing having the wellness program there for for some time, um, we decided we wanted to branch out. We wanted to branch out and do it more than just because the people from the church was benefiting from it. So the pastor asked me to see if we can, you know, institute this in other churches. So we 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 reached out and then we've been getting some support or some people, some of the ministers in the region have allowed their churches to participate. And, and when I say that, um, in our, we have a wellness program that involves fitness challenges. So that's how it addresses chronic disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, high blood pressure and so forth. Um, and, and so in this challenge, in this fitness challenge, we, we capture it in the form of a fitness challenge. So we have pre and post and uh, assessments of people who do the, uh, the best in terms of accumulating points associated with all of the things that we measure. They win $1,000 um, every year. A female gonna win $1,000, a male gonna win $1,000. That's first prize and then second prize will win 250. And so that's our incentive for keeping these people involved um, but we'll measure stuff like blood, blood, blood pressure. We'll measure blood pressure. We'll measure our percent body fat, BMI, which is body mass index. We measure central adiposity, which is waist circumference and stuff like that. We do some fitness measures where we measure, uh, let's see, uh, sit-ups, push-ups, and flexibility for fitness measures. So we do all of that, attach points to it. At the end of the uh, the assessment, at post assessment, we calculate the data, and somebody's gonna win some money. And and every year I get excited about the people that win, and 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 so at that point we have people join every year because after we give out those thousand dollar checks, people say right away they, they after church, Dr. Proctor, when does it start again? I'm ready to get started. <laughs> so so that's how. The, the the wellness program and the BEAM project that I have that we get state funding from. So we get state funding now to expand that into other churches and we're now in five churches. 
Yes, sir. Let's turn it back to you. Dr. Proctor, yeah. I'm going to step back a little bit with my next. I'm going to ask you two questions. Really one question. One, tell us about what it really means to you to be a first generational college graduate in your family. And then your passion and your purpose from the educational experiences that, that you had an outstanding career. But those two questions right there, just kind of expound on that. Sure. Um, um, let me say that, let me clear something up here. My educational preparation, is that the first part of your question? You're the first generational college graduate out of your family and then your passion and purpose. Sure, sure. Um, well, I had my mother was a, a community college graduate, my sister was a community college graduate, uh, nobody with a four-year degree uh, before me. And, and uh, I tell you, man, getting that college degree, um, having, well, first of all, being skilled enough to get a college scholarship, to get a college scholarship, so you can go and get have an opportunity to get some education. And so um, through challenges and so forth, you know, we made it through that, but it was through injury that led to my, my purpose, so to speak. Through injury, I, I learned a lot. I, I learned that from being injured my high school, as a junior in my high school, um, where we didn't have the fund funding as a family to, um, let's say, care for the, the rehabilitation type training that I required in order to fully heal from being injured. I was uh, recruited as a junior by SEC schools to play college basketball, but but because of the injury, <laughs> I never got another SEC letter still good enough to go to college and, and, and get a college scholarship and play ball. But what that did for my family was set in place some standards that my younger brothers came after me and aspired to do. Because I have two younger brothers, um, both of them played high school ball, both of them played college ball. So they, they try to be like their big brother. They, they, you know, get a college scholarship, go get an education and so forth. In fact, my youngest brother uh, surpassed both me and the, the brother under me um, by being a college All-American, by being inducted into the Hall of Fame at the uni at the college that he went to, stuff like that. So this is what I put in motion just by being disciplined enough to finish that college education, man. You, you know, so finishing the college education got me, that was my first, that was my foot in the door, so to speak. Foot in the door, now I got a chance to either go overseas and play basketball or continue my education. And therein lies the pursuit of my purpose because I chose not to uh, pursue basketball. I chose not to go overseas and play basketball. I chose to get uh, a master's degree, go to college, and I tell you, brother, I would have never had a PhD had I not had a master's. So once I had gotten a master's, I coached high school ball for a year and figured out, man, I'm PhD material. So 
I continued my education, pursued the PhD, and uh, told my wife that man, we could we can make a living in this. Um, you know, we could we could wind up having a pretty good lifestyle with me being a college professor and you working for a university as well. And so that's what happened. That's what I'm doing right now. A uh, college professor and my wife works at the university and, um, and, and we live a comfortable lifestyle all because I was disciplined enough to finish a college, my undergrad college degree, because there, there were steps to the process. Had I not had the undergraduate degree, I wouldn't have gotten a job as a GA at Delta State to get my master's degree. Had I not had the master's degree, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to pursue a PhD. And had I not gotten a PhD, I wouldn't be where I am today. So there were, you know, at every level, you have to be a little bit more disciplined. And I don't think that discipline comes without moral maturity. So I, I skipped a lot to get to the point where I'm mentioning now moral maturity, because that's where I think we're missing the boat with a lot of our young men today who fall by the wayside because they don't have that person in their ear preaching, teaching, nurturing them, trying to get them to turn away from the streets. The streets are recruiting better than, than we are in, in the church, so to speak, because that's where most of the young people are. You know, they, the streets and social media, that's where they spend too much time. Two things that you've done in your career that I'm really proud of. I'm going to take you back to 2007 in your presentation at Southern Mississippi. In your presentation, the description analysis of the low socioeconomic status of American youth aged 10 through 16. Tell us a little bit about that. That is a strong, <laughs> strong presentation there, Doctor. Man, that's my dissertation you're talking about. That's my dissertation. So... I did um, a health-related fitness profile on some kids, and I was really trying to find out if we were, as Black people, genetically predisposed to developing disease early and then dying from it with this uh, these low life expectancy. We got the lowest life expectancy in America. You know, we we die sooner than anybody. So I was trying to address that question to see if the conditions would be in our kids. That's where that comes from. So I tested 250 kids in the NYSP program at Southern Mississippi. And uh, man, the assessments that I was doing then, I actually do today. Um, so I, I learned a lot from that process. And while I started with youth, I do those assessments, many of those assessments with adults. I do those assessments with college athletes now. Uh, so that got me started. So you you mentioned something very important to me. That that was my dissertation. Okay, then, then explain to us um, your other work that I love what you've done, the methods of teaching elementary and the methods of strategies of teaching at a middle and secondary school levels, PE. <laughs> so another good question, man, uh, because um, when I left Delta State, I got a high school job 
being a PE teacher, being a head basketball coach at Clarksdale High School, and assistant baseball coach. So, you know, my undergrad degree prepped me for teacher preparation. So I was learning the, the, the let's say the philosophy, the fundamentals of it when I was in undergrad, but then when I was in the master's program, I, I expounded on that and then I had to get out there and start doing it in the high school. So I taught high school for a year and learned the precepts and principles of teaching where we get to learn different learning styles and how to reach you know, kids that are coming from difficult backgrounds, kids with physical and mental disabilities, as well as the exceptional kid who, um, who might be an elite athlete or a, a super intelligent kid. So we have to teach up and down the scale from top to bottom. And uh, so that gave me my beginning. But then um, lo and behold, I finished a PhD and I started teaching at the college level. And, and now I teach those classes that I took back in the day <laughs> where we were learning how to teach in the school system. Now I teach them how to teach. I teach them how to teach. I, I, you know, that's, that's what I do. We teach them how to do lesson plans and unit plans and classroom management kind of things that help them be successful in the classroom should they, should they want to go into the school system. But I, that's just a part of what I do at Gramley State University because all of the other courses that I teach are affiliated with my, my PhD. Those classes are affiliated with my undergrad but my PhD comes from the sports medicine stuff that I do that deals with elite athletic development and training so that you could um, hold off injury, maintain um, participation in the sport, develop some poise and confidence, and then be the best player you can be on the court. So besides teaching basketball and so forth. So I get to, and I live an amazing life where I get to, I've had formal education and practical education and I get to give the students both of those. So it's a unique situation. Usually people don't, they're not purposeful and passionate about what they're doing because they're not doing what they've been trained to do. But I do what I've been trained to do. So I, I have fun when I get in the classroom. Tell us a little bit about the mentor. I want to say mentorship program. You had that Pac-12 school, Washington State. Future Teachers of the Color program. Future That's Teachers of Color? Oh, my goodness. Well, Washington State was an eye-opener. Um, it was the first time I really learned what 12% meant, um, that Blacks represent 12% of the people in the country. Uh, because when I got out there, you know, I'm from Mississippi, went to school in Arkansas. Um, and then, so where, you know, in Mississippi, where I'm from, Blacks represent 50% of the people. Um, in the city um, and in the in the region, so to speak. And then in Arkansas, they represent, you know, 35, 40. So I didn't know what 12% meant until I went to Washington. But getting out there, Blacks were only about 3% of the people. So, so they had these, you know, programs designed to develop future teachers of color. Um, and me coming from the background that I had in athletics and in education, I became one of the keynote speakers for that process, for that recruitment effort at Washington State University. I was at Washington State University at the time. And so I, I every year for five years, 
I would be uh, one of the, the speakers that they would use to speak to the youth because of my athletic um, and educational background. And in addition to that, where I came from, because I was, I'm coming from where most of those folks came from, which was low socioeconomic status in a single parent home with, with seven people in the house. That's the home I came from. Then probably, I think one of your most highly accomplishments, I want to say Farmfield, Louisiana, where you developed the charter school grades, grades one through 12. I'm on the board over there. I didn't develop that. I am on the school board over at Darbonne Charter and have been now for um, six years. And uh, well, no, actually about seven or eight years. And uh, that's an amazing situation in and of itself because it's a, a school when schools tend to be D and C. Um, in this region. So that Darbone school is an A school. So they're producing quality students that are getting scholarships all across the nation. And, and I get to sit on the board to ensure that the resources are distributed in the most appropriate way. And I get to talk to um, the principal of the school who happens to be a friend of mine and uh, just do some cool things, man. Not only am I on that board, but I'm on the local hospital board, which gives me an opportunity to see what goes on behind the scene in local hospitals dealing with healthcare um, and, and, and um, health and wellness, not just um, of the general population, but in the African-American community as well. I learned a lot during COVID dealing, you know, being on that board with how things operate. So Great experiences. I wouldn't trade them for the world. Okay. A very important question here. Based on your your great career, your resume, uh, the teaching curriculums that you've used throughout your process, what are some of the major challenges facing our African-American youths in society? I appreciate that question. Um, <coughs> Let me say, boy, that's a loaded question right there. Um, because, you know, I got my opinion, you got yours. I was on the phone with my pastor earlier today and another mentor of mine already. Um, and my perspective is this, that we have to do more focusing on the family. That's, that's one of the major challenges. So rather than saying it's the white man, it's white America, I'm gonna say, focus internally first. Do what you can do first, which is to um, be, you know, we want great kids without being great parents. So parents gotta do a better job. But in order for parents to do a better job, those parents need training too. Those trainings, those, those parents need education. They need moral development. And they need good employment. And um, throughout society, throughout our history, we, we've, we've, we've battled with, um, with the system for good jobs, good paying jobs. And even when we got, had education, we had to you know, struggle to, keep, to get and keep good jobs. And it's the good jobs that provide 
enough resources for you and your family so you can avoid some of the pitfalls of low socioeconomic status, which happens to be my research. A whole lot of issues come with being born into low socioeconomic status, um, just like a whole lot of benefits come with being born with a silver spoon in your mouth with resources, so to speak. So, um, you know, we have to, and I said again, focus on the family, but that, that involves a lot because that involves education, it involves good jobs, it involves moral development. Because even if you had a good education, even if you had a good education and you had a good job, if you have no moral compass about yourself, no moral maturity, many of our athletes who acquire um, large sums of money through professional athleticism and playing pro sports, they lose the money right away. I mean, within five years, they're, you know, they've lost it all or they're divorced and, and, and a whole host of issues uh, face them without moral maturity. So, and that's where the wisdom comes in. So you gotta have a, some kind of education and certification. So you don't have to be a four year degree, but it's gotta be something. You gotta get a degree in plumbing or welding or, you know, some way carpentry, some way to make a living. You gotta have some form of education, whether it's through formal education through a university or through a community college or through some accrediting program that gives certificates out there for people so that they can fend for themselves and, and um, live a good quality life. So that's what I think um, are the challenges facing good jobs, getting a quality education, putting yourself in position to hear uh, wisdom from the word of God. If you can, uh, you know, you know, dot that I, cross that T, you'll be pretty good. You'll, you'll wind up doing all right. Uh, but if even with a good education, with a good job, if you leave out that moral compass, it ain't gonna last long. Final question today. And the question is gonna come from the bottom of my heart. What would you tell a young male or female at the age of 10 years old? What would you tell them about progress in his life and being successful? What would be your advice, Dr. Proctor? Uh, listen to parents, particularly if your parents are rightly guided. Um, I've ran into a few kids who say that they don't have good parents. They could be lying. Um, but sometimes you have to believe what kids are saying. Um, and so I would say rely on your, your, your parents. I'd say um, get some form of training. Um, and then I would say don't walk away from moral maturity because it really is the only recourse that we have in a society where um, we, we seem to be pitted against um, anti-Black culture, not just in America, but around the world. Final words today here on 100 Yards Football from you, Mr. D Dr. Larry Proctor, Grambling State University. Your final words. Final words um, to Jim Maryland, 
to Vincent Turner, um, to the brother who who helped us put this together. Thank you, Logan Langer. Logan, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to share a word um, with you in America and young people, um, because they need to see um, people like myself who are who's who's not an athlete, who was who was an athlete, who who walked away from trying to pursue professional athleticism when I was good enough to 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 be in that arena. I had an opportunity to go overseas and play ball, didn't turn it down to pursue education because I think education is worth more. <clears throat> so, and then uh, making sure that you you have some moral maturity. I don't care what you do, you can't get away from that. I like to say here on 100 Yards of Football, it's been a pleasure today. Um, follow this gentleman right here, Dr. Larry Proctor, uh, a guy that's done a lot of phenomenal things, not only from a, let's say, athletic standpoint, as he told your story, but academically. And he's showing us that it's not all about shooting a basketball or throwing a football. You can make, you could be a much impact in the society based on your educational experience if you work hard and you stay to the plan. Yep. And yep. I hope that everyone that's watching, especially the young people, Go back and watch this video and listen what Dr. Proctor said. The one key word that I picked up on today, moral. Moral, moral maturity. We need more of that. If we had more moral maturity, um, we wouldn't have, you know, uh, the, 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 the aches and pains, as many <laughs> of the aches and pains that we have in the African-American community. Um, and, and, and so that's that's really the bottom line to everything. If you want to know, uh, so so I want to leave this message as well. Yes sir. yes, sir. We used to be told knowledge was power. Knowledge is only potential power. Knowledge is potential power. The use of knowledge in the right way, which is wisdom, is powerful. And if you want to be powerful, get some wisdom to learn how to use the the formal knowledge that you get through um, certification and education. And, and you'll be on the right footing then to sustain whatever it is that you're trying to do in terms of pursuing your purpose. And, 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 and then again, pursue purpose because purpose can keep you alive long enough to achieve what it is you're trying to achieve. Special thanks to the team of 100 Yards Football today. Mr. Logan Landers for making it happen. We surely appreciate you, man. Thank you. To my man from Brooklyn, New York, Ronnie Keebler, thank you. To my man, part of 100 Yards Football, Florida State, great. Atlanta Falcons, great. Bobby Butler. To the gentleman who I consider got the greatest voice doing this on any level, bringing up Dr. Proctor today, Mr. Mar Bass. <laughs> man, to my man, Mr. Jeremiah Long, thank you. I wouldn't be where I'm at without you believing in me four years ago. And of course, to the great legend, Rustin, Louisiana, Grandma, Louisiana, Southern great, Mr. Jim Maryland. Amen. Amen. And my final word today, and thank you, Dr. Larry Proctor. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go by a young man out of Detroit, Michigan. His name is Fred Hammond. 
let hear you say bless. Say bless in the morning, in a new day, in the evening, and keep the devil away. Fred Hammond. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Dr. Larry Proctor, here on 100 Yards of Football. We'll Thank see. you, sir. Thank you, sir, for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.